record. Oh, man. I <laughs> I was going to do an intro, but I forgot. Oh, no. Yeah. How's how's everything going, uh, people? Uh, Eric, oh, me. I uh, thought you were talking to the people. Uh, well, I, I said people first, and then I said Eric. And then you so remembered guess, that I'm also a people. Yeah, you're a people. Mm-hmm. Uh, is is that how we say it now? People? Yeah. Person, people, Pers- person, people? I don't know. Uh, that per- kind of sounds purple, like a... Actually. Pur- <laughs> purple Pur- people piecing, person? Purple piecing. Yeah, purple piecing. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, so how's it going? Was your question? Uh, it's okay. I'm starting to feel like. Do you remember that uh, that Simpsons episode where they get a pool, and uh, then Bart breaks his leg? Do you remember that one? Yo, yes, that yeah. was one of my favorites. Um, and that's how my summer is starting, starting out here. So, just kind of mm. sitting in the house and looking outside and going, "Dang, I wish I could do something," but. Oh, well, it's it okay. is summer, isn't it? It is you, summer. Um, <laughs> well, has your leg has your leg healed healed yet? Or it's is getting it there. there or it's, is it... it's getting better. Yeah. Okay. It, it should be all right uh, soon enough. So. Well, is, is, isn't that the um, episode two where Bart like he kind of goes crazy, but then he <laughs> discovers that he thought that Ned Flanders murdered his wife? Yeah. It's like a uh, rear window. The, the Hitchcock movie. Yeah, yeah, and uh, Flanders screams like a little girl. Yeah, it's really, it's a pretty good that one. Was really- I I've I've been wanting to see it since I uh, broke my ankle. Uh, just that episode, and I don't have Disney Plus, so my only option was to like pay like two or three dollars to watch that one episode, and I just haven't, <laughs> I haven't been able to bring myself to do that yet because I'm just like, are you serious? Shit's been on for like thirty <laughs> years, and I'm gonna pay to watch it. Come on. Yeah, it's you know, looking back on the Simpsons, man. God, what a what a just a fantastic show that was. Yeah, I used to I love mean, it. Like the first like I don't know, 6 seasons or something like that are just TV gold. Maybe maybe the best thing that's ever been on TV. I liked it a lot. And I watched it for a number of years. I probably still actively watch new episodes in I don't even know. 20, 20, 2005 maybe is when I stopped even looking at new episodes. But And it's still on. That's the hilarious thing. Like, I just feel like everyone drops off at a certain point. You know? <laughs> but somebody's yeah, still watching. That They have to be. Oh, yeah. So. That, yeah, for them to still be doing it. I've tried watching the new take on The Simpsons, and I just... I am. I'm kind of with you. I actually probably stopped right around the time the movie came out. Mm, yeah, that was sort of the. When was that? Like 2000 or something? No, nah, it was 2006, oh, okay. 2007. So about the same somewhere time. Somewhere around there. Yeah. Yeah, and I just um, I feel like they just kind of hit their peak. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I think they hit their peak long before that. Yeah. To be honest, but after that. I don't know something about the writers mm-hmm. today. I almost kind of feel like they don't understand the characters. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I don't know that that's, 
That's just my critique. Well, yeah, it's kind of funny. Uh, I don't know, a few years ago, maybe five years ago or something, I was just watching television, flipping around. And uh, The Simpsons was on FX or something. And I was like, oh, well, I'm just going to watch it. And so it was this episode. And I think I might have told you this before. I don't know. Uh, But it was an episode and it was the 90s. And uh, Homer and Marge were in college. And that's when they met. And I was like, what? In the the 90s? Like, there's no way this is what is going on. And so I looked it up on the internet, <laughs> as you do, um, and I. Uh, it turns out that like that was the episode where they sort of like rewrote the timeline, and everyone was furious about it. And I just mm. happened to see that one episode, and I was like, "Well, that's dumb." You know, I'm not gonna watch that. <laughs> so yeah, um, anyway, it kind of just rubbed me the wrong way. I was like, "So now what? They're not." They don't age anyway, so who the hell cares what the timeline is? I don't know. Yeah, that's true. But there's also, like, this thing where, like, I don't know, just, like, little things that I kind of noticed uh, as I was watching that. It just sort of seems like, okay, like, for example, when Lisa, this is just an example. When Lisa discovered, like, vegetarianism and Mm -hmm. that she was going to be, like, an animal rights activist Mm -hmm. and all this stuff. She was always, like, really, like, passionate. Maybe this is a bizarre thing to kind of notice, but, like, she was always kind of passionate about, like, okay, I'm going to eat, like, vegetarian Mm -hmm. food. And she would try to even, like, I remember there was, like, a couple episodes where she would try to offer alternatives to, like, Homer and Marge, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and even Bart and all that stuff. And then, but then, like, there's, like, this sort of, like, change now where it's almost like i remember there was an episode not that long ago where she um she like lisa was just like oh man i wish vegetarian food wasn't so bland Hmm. and it's like ah like that almost just sounds like a jab at vegetarians like like you're almost like you're almost like shaming like vegetarians for like you know just i don't know being like stupid about food or something and right uh, but whereas like the early lisa was all like no fuck that <laughs> like tofu is awesome yeah you know like and and i don't know just hmm. little things like that they just um, didn't keep the characters yeah they, they didn't keep the characters yeah. the animation i think is a little too one of the things i liked about you know 90s simpsons is that there was still that Sort of a little bit of crudeness from like, you know, the earlier episodes that was still kind of going on, Mm -hmm. but it was also still amazing animation. Like, and today it just sort of seems like, I don't know, the Simpsons, like it's just too glossy. Mm. And I, I don't know. I'm, 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 when it comes to the Simpsons, I can't help but be like a, like a cranky old man about it because (laughs) that's one of those things that like I grew up with and I have a lot of like, I just have a lot of respect for the Simpsons as like a cultural milestone. Right. You know, like it's, it's like the Ninja Turtles to me. I'm also the same way about the Ninja Turtles. You fuck with the Ninja Turtles. You fuck with me. (laughs) Like that's how I look at it, you know? And 
I mean, seriously. And so, like, Michael Bay yeah. is my enemy. He's my enemy. Uh, did you see that shit that he did? Uh, no. I, now, did the they movie. have penises? I heard they had penises. I don't remember, and I don't care. <laughs> I, if that's even, I mean, seriously, like, anybody who fucking grew up with the Ninja Turtles is not going to care if they have dicks. Yeah. It's just CGD, uh, computer generated dicks. That's the <laughs> C- oh, man. CGTD, C- computer generated turtle dicks. Well, that escalated very quickly, that conversation. Uh, that, that was amazing. CGD. Was that right? CGD? CGTD. Okay. CGTD. <laughs> it's like. T-C-R-I. It's not a real thing. <laughs> you don't well, have to it get is it right. <laughs> we made it a real thing. Oh my god, Eric. we made them. We make. We made them we make, a manufactured real thing, like a golem. Did you ever? Did you ever see that YouTube video though? Uh, the anatomically, I don't even know if I'm saying it right because I'm a moron. But it's like, uh, what is it? Anatomy. Ana- anatomically, like, yeah, I think that's right. Anatomically correct uh-huh. Ninja Turtles. And it's like, it's the theme song, but they actually talk about turtle dicks and they talk about how like (laughs) they take that eighties theme song and they actually talk about how like they're anatomically, am I saying it right? Mm -hmm. Anatomically uh, wrong. The turtles are in the eighties cartoon. (laughs) There comes a point where people just need to realize that this shit's not reality. You know, like who cares if they're anatomically wrong? They look fucking awesome. Yeah, that's true. I mean, the turtles are fucking, dude, they're, I consider them my, my true family. (laughs) I mean, Splinter was my dad, Raphael, Donatello, Michelangelo, and uh, Leonardo. They were all my brothers. I was the fifth turtle in my mind. Was April your mom? Well, I don't think she was their mom. (laughs) Well, Splinter wasn't their dad. Yes, he was. He he's the one who like raised them and taught them to kill Shredder. You're right. You're right. Yeah, it's yeah. not biological. Who? who no, it's who not biological. Right. I mean, I always did find that aspect of the Ninja Turtles absolutely hilarious. That it was a rat <laughs> that like you know trained these turtles. Did you ever? Um, uh. <laughs> yeah, it's. But no, seriously, Michael Bay. <laughs> Eat a eat a turtle dick. Like I'm just gonna say it right now. Like just for screwing screwing that yeah. up. Actually, I don't even know. Honestly, I heard that he wasn't even really the one that was a hundred percent responsible. But I think he did produce hmm. uh, that movie. I don't know. Wow. I'm. Well, look. You we'll know look what, guys? <laughs> All of you listeners. I don't know. Help me out if there's any fellow turtle fans out there. Back me up. Yeah. I haven't seen it. I don't know. I mean, I have no idea. I assume no, it's actually. I mean. Yeah, no, I, I, I really did. I I don't really like what the Turtles, like what they've been doing with the franchise the last few years. Hmm. That Nickelodeon CGI series they did in 2012. I didn't like it at first, but then it started to become pretty interesting. Hmm. Um, So I don't know. Uh, I, yeah, I'm passionate about the Simpsons and the turtles. Those were like my two favorite, like things growing up as a kid. Yeah. 
Mine was mostly. So I apologize. Uh, Huff and Glade. Huff, Huff and Glade it? and punk rock. <laughs> anyway, let's. Uh, how about we get to this music? <laughs> yeah, let's do that. All right. Um, so, all right. So the first uh, record we're going to talk about actually comes from a listener's special request. This is a milestone in the Accelerate yeah. podcast. Woo. A milestone, ladies and gentlemen. Um, so J.L. Bollinger, who is um, from the band Zool mm-hmm. and Anomander. Oh, I love Anomander. Anomander was... Is, is is awesome. I have those CDs I, they I, made. I don't know who else got them, but they're freaking amazing. Oh, I got them. Oh, uh, they're so good. Yeah, and um, then he's also, I guess, in the Shining Realm yeah. also. Yeah, well, we'll have to like, talk about that later. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Because so, we're going to review I it later. I, yeah, yeah, I didn't know. Um, but JL, great guy, great guy. Mm-hmm. He was also in a band called The Savage Hacks, mm. who my old band disgruntled noise box god i have a lot of old bands um but uh played with them and zool both nice quite a few times so did abnormal man uh another old band of mine (laughs) um anyway my point is though jl is just a great guy zool kicks ass Mm -hmm. anomander as you said eric kicks Mm -hmm. ass and he sent me an email and asked me if uh Eric and I could uh, review this 100 Gex CD. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not a CD. It's actually on Spotify. Uh, record. And uh, and I said, sure. Yeah. I mean, I've, I actually heard 100 Gex before. Mm. Um, my friend Travis played me a couple of songs. Uh, but I, never, I didn't even know that 100 Gex had an album. Mm. Now, I, at first, I didn't know if 100 Gex was just a person or exactly what a hundred gex was but i guess it is a duo Mm -hmm. so it's two people Mm -hmm. and uh it's uh there it's really difficult to exactly (laughs) nail down and describe what it is that a hundred gex is and what they do sonically uh the name of the record is a thousand gex and I listened to this thing probably five times, um, trying to wrap my head around it. It's very, very interesting. Um, I would say it's described, I guess, in general as hyper pop, hmm. which I guess is kind of a newer genre that I guess kind of came into being in like around 2010 ish or something. I could be completely wrong about that. Um, but that's kind of what I, what I think is going on with that genre. So the best way to describe it is just, well, hyper pop music. It's, (laughs) it's like sounds hyper active. Like it's fast at times. Sometimes it has elements of, almost like metal. Um, but I mean, that's very, very like few and far between. Uh, basically when I say that, what I mean is, is they're doing like this really weird sped up sort of catchy pop. And then all of a sudden there's like a little part 
in a song where all of a sudden they go into like this almost industrial sounding sort of thing, um, which really puts me in mind a little bit. And Eric and I both actually agreed because uh, we kind of already had a discussion about this a little bit. Uh, mindless self-indulgence kind of puts, you know, puts you in mind of what that group was doing in the 90s. Um, and, uh, but at the same time, there's also some really hev- heavy use of auto-tune kind of going on. Or maybe it's just vocal effects. Sometimes it almost reminds me of Ween. Uh, but a lot of it really doesn't sound that far off from just the pop music, the modern pop music you hear on the radio. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the lyrics are kind of ridiculous at times. I mean, there's like a, a song called uh, Money Machine, I think mm-hmm. it is. It's like track two, very catchy, and there's a lot of kind of cussing going on and it's it's pretty it's pretty juvenile but it it definitely works for for what it is and it's and it's kind of funny and i don't know it's yeah like i said it's just really difficult to kind of nail down exactly what it is it's very fast Mm -hmm. like very quick like the whole there's 10 songs and it's like 20 minutes long or something like that so i don't think there's a song on it that really goes over like two and a half minutes and some of the songs are like only about a minute and a half and um yeah it's it's just sort of this hyperactive electronic pop music which i've stated several times i'm just kind of repeating myself (laughs) at this point uh trying to explain it and so i think i'm gonna stop now and i think (laughs) i'm gonna let eric talk about what he thinks of it yeah I loved it. I thought it was so fun, like uh, unbearably fun. Um, Yeah, it's um, pop music with pretty crazy production. Um, It's I found it to be very irreverent and thoroughly modern and young. I know that sounds stupid, but being an old person, it... um, it becomes really obvious when things are made to be of the time by people who are young. I don't know. Um, but with that being said, I think anyone could get into this and should. Um, I just had a blast with it. I just, it, um, elements of it, uh, definitely remind me of like Kesha, like, um, just the, um, delivery, delivery of the, the, singing even though it is 100% every moment through pitch shifting or autocorrect or whatever um but you almost get used to it and you almost accept it as just a regular voice after a while I think um there's elements of it that are kind of like zanned out you know like young lean or like Billie Eilish or whatever but if you mix that kind of stuff with like Otto von Schirach or Aphex Twin or I don't know, like Square Pusher or something, Venetian Snares, that kind of thing. Um, and so it is noisy and it's fast and it's pretty brutal at times. They do a lot of different things. But 
as like honestly Kesha mixed with Otto von Chirac. That's what it sounded like to me. And um, maybe a little bit of Diane word in there too, just like with the cutesiness of it all. Mm, um, I never thought of that. Yeah, one. but I don't know. I had a blast listening to it. I also listened to it probably three, three or four times. Um, and I, I just had a great, it was really super fun. Um, yeah. And it, I don't know. Like I said, there's not, there's not a lot to go over here because it's so like is what it is. I mean, it's just, it kind of reminded me of, um, fire tools in that same way where it's like, it just is what it is. If you describe it, you know what it is. And that's the sound of it, you know? So I just thought it was super fun. I think if you like, uh, pop music but you also get into weird shit you'll like it if you're into weird shit and aren't too damn serious about it then you'll probably like this too so um yeah i i'm glad that uh jl brought this to us because uh, i'm sure i'm going to be listening to it a lot it it had a hip-hop element to it too that was sort of un- hiding underneath everything else but um yeah, I don't know. It reminded me of some other things like Dormouse or um, Mr. Feathers. I don't know if you ever listened to that, Dan, but it's... Um, no, I've never even heard those. Yeah, it's just like really wild kind of hip-hop with that kind of breakbeat stuff thrown in. So, um, But yeah, I I, uh, I loved it. So anyway. Yeah, it, it was... It was I, I agree with you. It was, it was definitely a lot of fun. I mean, yeah. it... I, and the thing about it is... I can't help but listen to it. You know, it, it almost seems like each time I listen to it, it's I find something new about it. Yeah. You know, like it's very, very peculiar. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, it's, so I, it gets better every time. I think, too, the first I agree when I, when I first heard the first track, I was like, oh, shit, I'm not going to like this. And when the second track comes on and it's so like boisterous and I don't know, just kind of like peacocking, you know, I was like, hmm, this, I don't know if I'm going to really like this. And then by the time I got to the third song, I was like, OK, this is rad. So but and then every time I've heard it since, I'm like, wow, this is really cool. <laughs> so. Yeah, the the fire tools comparison. Good call on that. I uh, I mean, it, it definitely is more, I would say, a lot more accessible than fire tools. But I think so. The craziness, the crazy kind of going all over the place aspect is there yeah. at times with this as well. That is also present with fire yeah. tools. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Nice. Okay. All right. Thank you, JL, yeah. for that recommendation. Um, so the way that the show is set up today, we did that kind of shared review. Dan and I are each going to do one review, and then we're going to review uh, The Shining Realm release and let me just say the first this is going to be the spazziest episode of all time like the shining (laughs) realm is not spazzy okay that's our one reprieve during this whole thing but the rest of this like you're i don't know maybe get into some amphetamines or something before checking out these records because it it would be great to take drugs yeah because these are some spazzed out things so 
with that being said, uh, my uh, pick was a group called Eurochromes. Uh, the record is called Trope House. It came out in 2019. Uh, I don't know anything about Eurochromes. I just found it somehow, and I liked it. Um, this one also, uh, not only are the releases spazzy, but a couple of them here are very, very short. Uh, the Eurochromes record comes in, I think, at 19 minutes. So uh, your homework this week is not as intense as usual. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, Eurochromes is very... I don't know how to describe it. It's it's. I don't want to say it's all over the place because I don't think that's what I really mean. It goes a lot of places, but I think it's very like direct in its vision. I think it does. It's a duo. Um, they have a, a drum machine for all of the rhythms, and then from there, I think it's just a guy playing guitar um, and another guy singing. Uh, I'm sure that they added other things into the recording or whatever. But because of that super strong um, drum machine element, uh, it puts it squarely in this other sort of realm than maybe other things that are similar to it. I found the whole thing to be like really frenetic and angular, noisy. Um, but also the songs are kind of well written and pretty and not just based on the sound itself, which is cool um, because they allowed things to come in and out and change and grow. Like there's electric piano in there. There's like claps at overdubbed or like background vocals or they just come out of nowhere and they don't really go with the music. It's all very strange and thought out. So it's not just, noise or psych like they really set out to make some music um as usual i'm just going to kind of give sort of a list of where i think this thing falls um i think it's some sort of strange nexus where like things like shellac or brainiac or scratch acid sort of come together with like the dead boys and the buzzcocks um, so you got that like punk rock element in there too, like even almost proto uh, punk. And then also with like the OCs and, and J retard kind of stuff. So if you're into any of that stuff, I honestly think you're going to like this. I listened to this one. It doesn't hurt anything that it's only 19 minutes long, but I probably listened to this six times. I just, I loved the songs. I love the sound of it. And I love the attitude of the whole thing. So yeah. what do you think, Dan? Man, I love this. This is, um, yeah, everything that you just said, um, it's spastic, but it's also very pretty at times. Um, I definitely hear um, it's it's got a very lo-fi kind of production at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't know it was a drum machine. Oh, and yeah. that I, I think that's great because, you know... Um, they definitely kind of knew how to make that drum machine sound like a real drummer. Yeah. And that's, that's not really an easy feat for sure. Um, and so, yeah, parts of it definitely reminded me of Jay Riotard. Um, definitely reminded me of 
I don't know. Uh, there was a couple of tracks on here that reminded me of like six finger satellite oh, sure. without the synthesizers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and particularly a couple songs specifically, and I can't remember the titles mm-hmm. that really put me in mind of Jesus. Lizard. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. The Especially vocally. like the vocalist yep. vocally. There's a lot of David Yao mm-hmm. happening here. Big time. Uh, but there's also a lot of like sort of that, um, the band Human Eye that mm-hmm. uh, we reviewed like a few episodes back. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically, that one song that starts off with like this mutated feedback for like, you know, 10 seconds. Mm. It totally reminded me of that. Uh, there's that one song that sounds like they have a little kid doing yeah, the vocals. Resist Psychic Death. Resist Psychic Death. Yeah. Which I think is so rad. It's a great song. <laughs> is that is that what's actually happening? I have no or idea. Are they using like I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's like vocal. I, I would guess that it's a real, actual little kid. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, like I, I wonder if it's one of the members, like no idea, like kids or something. Yeah. I, I don't know, but it is so hilarious. Yeah, it's good. Like just, and I don't know if it's meant to be hilarious. I couldn't imagine that they wouldn't do that without some sort of a sense of humor about it. Oh, for sure. I think that like men's recovery project wouldn't be an unfair, uh, no comparison. That's actually, you know, like that's actually very, very, that's a very good, like, especially like, did you ever hear that song by them called the mayor is a robot? (laughs) I don't remember. It's actually a collaboration with Latigra. Oh, wow. Nice. And so Kathleen Hanna and, Sam McFeeders are like screaming. It's mm. like this really spastic. What it sounds like is they put a drum machine and they just like did like a loop mm-hmm. and they just like cranked it up as fast as it could go, yeah. you know, like that. And both Kathleen Hanna and, and uh, Sam McFeeders are yelling at each other. Like Sam's like, <laughs> what's wrong with the mayor? Is the mayor a robot? <laughs> and then Kathleen Hanna's like, the mayor's a robot. The mayor's a robot. And they're just like, it's, and that's exactly what that song, that uh, that kind yeah. of spastic nature mm-hmm. is what that song reminds me of. It's For sure. Absolutely fantastic. It's raw as hell. Mm-hmm. The guitar work is incredible. It is. On that last song. Yeah. That last song was almost going into like replacements or Husker <laughs> Du territory. I know, right? It's, yeah. And then, and then like I love the ending too where they're just like talking to each other with like delay effects or something. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't know if if that was like a mistake or if they just purposely left that in there, or, but it's hilarious. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's so funny. Like the whole thing. And yeah, it, the fact that it's only like 18, 19 minutes long mm-hmm. made it a very easy listen. For sure. So yeah, yeah no, Eurochrome's uh, Trope House, fantastic Sweet. record. Yeah. Now that is probably a much easier listen than my pick. And my pick is like when you're talking about spastic Eric, mm-hmm. I, I, at, I kind of, in some ways, at least for like 99 in the scene that this group was in, you couldn't get much more spastic mm-hmm. than what this group was doing in 99. And for those of you who have never heard this group, the record is uh, called Franklin or Franklin <laughs> Frankenstein girls will seem strangely sexy by a group called mindless self-indulgence. This came out in 1999 
and it's 30 tracks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it, it is um, a lot longer than uh, Eurochromes mm-hmm. or 100 Gex. Um, and I'm not going to lie. Uh, it could be very difficult to get through all 30 tracks in one sitting. <laughs> um, this band, it's an, they're, it's, it's interesting. Um, they, they came out in like, I, I would say like 97 or something like that. They put out a record called tight and then this is like their second album or something like that. Somehow this group, it's kind of one of those mystery sort of things in the nineties where, or the late nineties where a group that you would think would not appeal to the new metal crowd kind of appealed to the new metal crowd. And another example I can think of that would be like cradle of filth. They're like the only black metal band that for some reason, at least here in Iowa, where I was growing up, when I was growing up, um, it wasn't necessarily um, uncommon to see like somebody listening to Cradle of Filth who was also very much into like Static X and Corn and all these types of groups, you know? And Mindless Self-Indulgence kind of exists in that weird place where they made music that was actually pretty, um, pretty crazy, at least for the time it's it's sort of a combination of i don't know like electro clash meets like i guess metal and start and stop synthy type stuff one of the things about this record i and and i i guess i can't really have much defense for it or explanation for it um if you are easily offended, it might offend you. There, it, there definitely were some things that were used, like words and potty humor and things like that. And that was very, very juvenile. And um, I guess, like, the only explanation I can think of is that they were kind of approaching it from the standpoint, maybe, of, uh, you know we're kind of making fun of ourselves also. I I don't really know. That's kind of some of the things that I've read about. But just so you know, there there are some words, you know, on this album and really on on all mindless self-indulgence albums that kind of kind of go there, so to speak. But if you're able to get past that, the music, I think, especially for the time and for the scene that it was in, was very forward thinking. Um, in my opinion, I really enjoy like the, I think there's a lot of originality going on here. And I actually think that this could actually be almost like proto hyper pop in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Um, I would almost describe it as hyper industrial metal. Uh, they were basically doing what hundred Gex is doing now only on the metal side of things instead of like, the pop side of things. Although I would say mindless self-indulgence was also very um, catchy at times as well. I mean, like I said, there's 30 tracks and sometimes, you know, it, 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 it does kind of wear thin the humor and sort of the sound and everything. 
as it goes on and on. But I do think that this was a very original band for the time. And um, it, uh, I don't know. I, I don't really have much more to add. Um, what, what did you think, Eric? Well, <clears throat> I actually bought this back when it came out. Um, As did I. And I, I thought it was like 2000, but 99, 2000, what's the difference really? Um, yeah. And I adored it. I, and yeah. I, here's the thing. I did not listen to new metal. Like I listened to the first corn record when it came out and I always really enjoyed Marilyn Manson. Um, sure. That was it. That was it, though. I didn't listen to any of the other stuff. I didn't listen to Static X. I didn't listen to Cold Chamber or Jack Off Jill or whatever. The only things that I got close to would maybe be like Orgy um, or Deadsy or something. And that was because of the synthesizers, you know? Sure. And so that's what actually led me to like this as well was the synthesizer elements of it. Um but I I loved it and I had never heard anything like it and I still haven't necessarily heard anything quite like this at all and that's a big statement you know like I can't think of another band that has tried to accomplish what mindless self-indulgence totally accomplished like they're not trying here this is this is a a perfect representation of what they were trying to do, and they nailed it. So with that being said, I don't know. There, there's some other things I wanted to talk about. Like you said, it's very problematic, like beyond problematic. But it was created to be offensive. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And so that and- makes it kind of difficult to to know exactly how you should feel about it now. It's like, I still watch uh, John Waters movies from the seventies and they're really gross. I mean, they're really offensive, but that's what they do. Like that's kind of the point. And so, well, you know, go ahead. Sorry. uh, Oh, I'm sorry to interrupt. Another thing that I kind of forgot to add is, so it was kind of, it, a lot of it is just juvenile kind of potty humor type, like stuff that you would say maybe as a sixth or seventh grader, right? Yeah. Or something right. like that, you know, like stuff that you would find funny then. And I think one of the things about mindless self-indulgence was that they were aware of that. Mm-hmm. They were aware that what they were doing was that. Sure. They, they, they were aware that it was stupid. Mm-hmm that it was offensive and I'm not saying that that necessarily makes it okay in the grand scheme of things at all. Um, but yeah, like you said, I think that they created it knowing that it's, this isn't like highbrow, like lyricism by any means. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, sorry to go on. The, the, the reason I revisited that idea though is like, for two reasons. It makes it super funny at times. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about necessarily just the dumb usage of slurs or even like extreme sexual content and things like that. 
What I mean right. is like every chance they got to be offensive, they took like every single time they thought, how can we offend someone? That wasn't just like every so often. It was every second of the album. So like you'll right. have moments where it's like, it's just going along, you know, and then it'll stop for a second. It'll just be like, just for one second, it'll stop and be like, die, motherfucker. You know, like they just throw it in for no reason other than there was a millisecond with nothing in it and they had to put something offensive in it. And I think it's great. It it made me like laugh out loud a few times because of that, because I was like not offended, shocked, but like just shocked at how quick and hilarious the the irreverence was. It was just like they couldn't let one second go by without trying to push your buttons. It's, it was amazing. <laughs> and, so and the and the um, the music itself. Oh yeah, and the sound of Jimmy Urine's voice yeah. is hilarious. Oh, it's great. Just like yeah. it's 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 almost comedy music in a way. It is. Like, almost it almost novel. sounds yeah, like that for sure. Yeah, it sounds. His it's, voice to me sounds like uh, basically Marilyn Manson and Jonathan Davis together, like. Pretty much everything he does, I can hear one of those two guys doing that. So, but I like that. I like those voices. So the the flip side of it being really funny how offensive it is, the flip side of that is I, I truly think that they were trying, they were trying to be representative. I really do think this. Now hear me out for a second. I think a lot of times early sort of forays into representation in media are messy and they're misguided and they're offensive, but it's still sort of like trying to give a group of people representation in in modern media. And so like, I don't know, like if you watch like um, Will and Grace or something, I'm sure there were people that watched that. They were like, oh, this is very offensive. And then other people might have watched it and said, oh, I'm glad that people are represented, you know, in a different way than they have been before. So it's like, I don't know. Sometimes I I don't know exactly what I'm saying. I'm just saying that I would guess that this record caused a lot of meatheads to question their sexual identity or gender identity or think about things that otherwise they wouldn't have or become comfortable with ideas that they otherwise wouldn't have. And even though it was being offensive and making fun in a way, it still sort of, it still sort of was a representation of things that really didn't exist, obviously in new metal, let alone society at large. So those are two things that I just wanted to kind of, discuss that I thought about um during listening to this um and you said it was hard to listen to this all the way through I listened to it all the way through I actually went to Davenport to go to pawn shops and I got lost in Davenport numerous times probably six times and the whole time this nonsense was blaring in my vehicle and I wanted to kill everyone in the entire town (laughs) so it was great I loved it um Anyway, I'll move on. Uh, well, I mean, I, I, I think like it's easy for me to listen to all the way through, but yeah, it's the. I guess that was kind of more of like a fair warning, like right. This I understand. Might I not be you. an easy thing for you to listen yeah. to. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Because like, yep. it's not. Well, for one thing, it's 
like like you said, mentioning all of the uh, kind of offensive content, mm-hmm. potentially offensive content in there. But also, the music is very, very spastic. So I could see oh, how yeah. somebody would be like, and it doesn't let up, not one no. second. 30 no. songs of just... Yeah. I mean, it's just like yeah. literally just like that. And it's great. it blows yeah. my mind that it came out in 99, actually. Me too. Or, yeah. or 2000 or whatever. whatever yeah, it's it very ahead of its time. Um, I, I agree. Yeah. And... um. There was one other thing I wanted to add to your point about new metal. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the biggest misnomers about new metal, actually, is that it is generally thought of as this meathead genre. And with good reason. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of reasons to think that. Because from the downtuned guitars to the, you know, mosh pits that were happening, and there definitely was like you know, uh, more representation of just sort of bros at those, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like that was, there's a lot of reasons to think that, but when you actually decipher and we've kind of touched on this before, when you actually look, look at the lyrics that were kind of coming in the content that was coming from these bands, I mean, Jonathan Davis, like his was not a very masculine dude. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Despite the fact that, his band because of its sound appealed to it. I mean, mm-hmm. most of the songs that Korn write, even to this day is about how he, you know, was just kind of pushed around all the time mm-hmm. for not being a real man. You right. know, Fred mm-hmm. Durst, even, I mean, I know Fred Durst, he does rep definitely represent kind of a meathead, but even Fred Durst had moments of just pure, like, I think just pure like um, what's the word I'm trying to look for? Um, I don't know, like uh, uh, vulnerability. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like even in his lyrics sometimes. I mean, don't yeah. get me wrong. Break stuff is not a vulnerable song. <laughs> that is definitely designed to appeal to those meatheads. Right. But there's other songs like Rearranged and a song called No Sex and, you know, all this stuff that is really just kind of about it's actually like emotional and you know, so I actually think new metal in a weird sort of way as a whole, even outside of the mindless self-indulgence record was kind of about making some of these meatheads question their vulnerability and their, what it means to be a real man and whatnot. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, th- yeah, I think, sure. I think new metal is unfairly, um, unfairly sort of criticized for that a lot of the times mm-hmm. but i do think that that does exist having said that in new metal but it also exists in punk rock you know yeah. what i mean like like problematic stuff exists i mean look at like just i look at look at like rap country look at everything you know what i mean like yeah so it you know but i think new metal really gets the bad the bad end of the stick you know uh because of because of the sound of the bands and mm-hmm. maybe from people not really understanding the content that was maybe yeah. coming from like guys like Jonathan Davis, you know? Well, their fans don't help anything either. But. No, their fans don't help anything. That is I call <laughs> that the uh I call that the uh the juggalo problem. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> um 
Yeah, real quick, I was going to say that just because, yeah, it does have a lot of new metal in it. But there's a lot of other stuff happening. Industrial, breakbeat, um, all the synth stuff. But the biggest thing that I found interesting about it upon listening this time, because I haven't listened to this in a long, long time, probably sure. about 20 years, <laughs> um, sure. is dub. It had tons of dub in it. Tons oh, of. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, definitely. Like tons of reggae influence. And that's hilarious to me. I don't, I just never noticed it before. But yeah, ultimately, my review, the little blurb that I wrote for this was almost the entire time I was listening, I was rolling my eyes and shaking my head because it was so stupid. But my mouth was hanging <laughs> open because it's amazing. Yes. And that's, yes. That's true. The whole time I was just like, oh, this is so dumb. God damn, it's cool and so well done. So, yeah, I don't absolutely. know if you're in the mood to not think, but just get nuts. This is a pretty good record for that. So, um, so yeah, the Shining Realm uh, is an Iowa City group. The record is called Enter the Shining Realm. It came out just now, just recently, last couple of weeks. Um, the reason I paused when I said group is because. I'm a little confused about who's in the group. So hear me out for just a second. The CD, which I have in my hand, and it looks beautiful, by the way. You should all order the Shining Realm CD. Um, I usually don't get CDs, but the artwork really sold it for me. It's real cool. So anyway, um, in the credits here, it has Maxwell Strobe, Charles Pagan, Todd Woody, J.L. Bollinger, Bollinger and John Hansen. Um, so I'm close with uh, Todd Woody, and I know J.L., and I know John Hansen, and I don't know Charles Pagan or Maxwell Strobe, and I don't even know if they're real people or not. I mean, if that's their real names. So anyway, those are the people that, who made the CD. Um, it's a super fun record i liked it a lot um it is very psych oriented like it is just uh yeah very 60s uh psychedelic uh kind of hippie sound um it incorporates a lot of middle eastern sounds scales um yeah, it, it just has a lot of psych rock on here, too, though. So you have, like, these sort of Middle Eastern sounds, uh, but then also fuzzy guitars, tremolo on the guitars, vocals sometimes. There's a saz, which I found out is like a banjo kind of sitar sort of thing, and that I assumed was just a regular banjo. Um, but no, it's like a, a little instrument that's a little more like a sitar but it sounds great through the whole thing the percussion is cool it's like um kind of like uh velvet underground like mo tucker uh a lot of bass drum a lot of tambourine i think i heard like finger cymbals and things in there too um but yeah it's just very uh psych oriented uh it reminded me a lot of uh their satanic majesty's request by the stones 
which some Stones fans don't like that. It's my favorite one. And you can send your comments to Accelerative Thrust, our Instagram account, <laughs> because I know that's an unpopular opinion. But it reminded me a lot of the Electric Prunes. Um, a lot of, like, Ananda Shankar, who's the nephew of Ravi Shankar, and put out sort of, like, 60s uh, covers uh, with the sitar. Um, so you get that sort of tabla rhythm going that uh, the Shining Realm uses quite a bit. Um, yeah, as well as just other countless moments from records by 60s bands in the freak scene and stuff. Um, but it's cool because I haven't heard much of this done with this sort of devotion to the sound. Um, a lot of times people take it too far in one direction or another. And then, but this is just very firmly in place of songs that have almost a ritualistic element to them. They're drony. They are, they seemingly are created to um, help you space out sort of to expand your mind a little bit um, through sound. Um, and yeah, I really loved it. I love uh, Todd Woody. He's a, a really great guy and a good friend. JL, I've had the pleasure of recording with. John Hanson, I know a little bit. And actually, the other two guys, like I said, I don't know if that's their real names or not. But I don't assume that it is their real names. But the reason I mentioned the live band versus the CD is that the live band actually includes all kinds of people I know. And hopefully... This isn't like a secret or something. I wouldn't be surprised if the Shining Realm wanted to have some sort of anonymity, but I'm going to blow that for them. Um, but live, it looks like it's still Todd Woody. Uh, and then Chris uh, Burns, uh, Dan Davis, um, Sky Carrasco, who I've had the pleasure of playing with in a couple different things. She's just one of the best people I've ever met. Um, Joe Dadarian, who, in my opinion, is Iowa City. Like, there is no Iowa City without Joe Dadarian. I think I've said that before. Um, Dustin Kelly and Laura Kelly are in it. I don't know them well or at all. I don't, I'm not sure. And then another guy I don't know who plays bongos and synth. Um, and I don't even know his name. So... But I watched the No Touching session. I haven't seen them live myself in person, which is weird because they played in Des Moines with Land of Blood and Sunshine, and I obviously should have been there. I was probably just on my bullshit or something and, like, didn't feel like I could go out or something, you know. Uh, anyway, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> but the live performances seem a little calmer and a little softer, um, a little more spread out sonically and so i i think on the no touching session i watched which is um uh no touching session for those of you who don't know is uh is a series on facebook that crystal sherman uh puts out and so shining realm just had an um an episode of that and it was really great so um when i when we post this, when we do the social media, I'll link 
to that too, if I can help it. So you guys can watch that performance. But I'm really stoked um, because I think they did songs live that weren't on the CD and they sounded really cool. And so I'm excited to hear what these guys come up with. I'm really excited to hear the next recording um, with the, the lineup that they have. I don't know if JL and John are going to uh, make appearances live or not. Um, but anyway, I'm excited to see what happens with this group is what I'm saying. And I love most of the people in it. And so I can't really say enough about it. It's really well done cool laid back um music uh, very ethereal very i don't want to say new agey but i mean it's it's there there's an element of that um but it's really cool it's just really good psych stuff um and yeah now i'm officially rambling so i'll turn it over to dan what did you think dan well first of all let me um say that i know virtually nobody in this group (laughs) um Except for JL. Mm -hmm. JL, as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, great guy. But you also mentioned uh, Crystal, who is Mm -hmm. just absolutely one of the best sound people. I mean, like, just so, so good at her job. Mm -hmm. Every time we've played games, that I've played games and she's done sound, it's just been fantastic. So shout out to Crystal. Yeah, and if you ever Um, need mixing or mastering done... She does a great job at that too. So wow, yeah, and the no touching sessions—that's mm-hmm. um, an awesome thing that's been going on through the pandemic. And yeah, it, you know, so shout out to Crystal. The rest of the people, um, sorry, don't know you, but <laughs> I gotta say, I gotta say, I really enjoyed this album. It, uh, yeah, I can't really add much. I mean, Eric, you pretty much just broke down everything about it like i it's i i kind of struggle to even think of what to add to it i guess um yeah i definitely agree with the uh their satanic majesty's request mm-hmm. um kind of uh it's interesting so that's your favorite rolling stones album huh <laughs> uh you know if i'm gonna pick one to put on it's usually that one yeah okay yeah um you know and here's the thing i've I, I, I got to make a confession and we can talk about this another time, but <laughs> I'm not, I'm only familiar with like five Rolling Stones albums. Yeah. And they're all the, they're, they're, it's all the important ones. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, uh, so I, I haven't gone, that's one of them, mm-hmm. but anyway, okay. Aside from <laughs> all that, uh, we're not talking about the Rolling Stones. We're talking about the shining realm here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, freak folk for sure. That kind of thing, um, definitely like a new agey. Some of it reminded me actually of the less chaotic parts of like Prince Rama hmm. and things like that. I that might be a weird comparison, but that kind of like the like the opening track especially mm-hmm. had elements because of the chant sort of like nature of it. And like you said, kind of a new age sort of thing going on there, which I also kind of hesitate to use that label as well. Mm -hmm. But definitely, like you said, it it goes there for sure. Yeah, um, actually, you mentioned Land of Blood and Sunshine. A Mm -hmm. lot of this kind of reminded me of that. Yeah, I think, Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and uh, even, I would even say some of it, 
less Americana, but some of it even kind of reminded me of your group, the old Scratch Revival singers at times, hmm. a little bit, but not completely. I mean, I think that's kind of just more the acoustic element, the non-electric element that sure. kind of is going on there. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I But definitely less Americana, mm-hmm. you know, for sure. But also, like, I hear a lot of, like, Ah, stuff like Devenger Band Heart going on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, like you said, the Electric Prunes, 60s folk. You did say Electric Prunes, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a really enjoyable, enjoyable record. Uh, Animal Collective, I hear some of that kind of going on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it, I don't really have much to add other than it's just, it was just a really enjoyable kind of acoustic i don't even want to say experimental but just kind right. of a a sort of yeah eth- ethereal mm-hmm. folk record yeah. and it's well done it's it's just very well done yeah, and for sure and i think that's what i liked about it is it's because it's so well done it definitely stands out from other modern psych stuff like mm-hmm. it's not even in the same realm for lack of a better word but um the shiny it's in a shiny yeah right it's not it's not it doesn't feel like it's trying to accomplish the same things as other modern psych and that's cool it's trying to accomplish its own thing so i i kind of sensed a little bit when i was listening to it almost like a like a punk approach to like Mm -hmm. the freak folk kind of going on here yeah i can see that i you know it just felt very I don't know. It felt very collective and DIY mm-hmm. sort of, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To me. And I think that's, I think that's awesome. It's, it's fantastic. There was one song in particular, and again, forgive me, I can't remember all of the songs mm-hmm. titles, but there was one song. It was either, it was one of the last like three songs mm-hmm. that I just really loved. And it really hit me because I was driving in my van at like 10 o'clock at night on a country road mm-hmm. where I imagined like some weird guy jumping out in front of me. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know how sometimes you're like, you're like the only car on a road and you're like, you know, some guy could just like jump up from the <laughs> ditch yeah. and just like kill me at any moment. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that song came on when I was having that thought mm-hmm. and it's totally unrelated. Like, it's not like that song put me, put those, th- I think about that every time I drive down country roads in Iowa, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, late at night, late at night, 10 o'clock yeah. at night, you know? No, I, I think this, this could be music that some guy that jumped out of the ditch to kill you could, could listen to. I, I can see that. Yeah, scenario. absolutely. It's yeah. And, and you know, it's, it's great too, because I would like to think that, Anytime murder happens, um, you don't have to listen to heavy stuff. You can really oh, listen to Yeah, you could be lulled into murder easy. Yeah. Yeah. Especially it's with so, this kind of music. Yeah. So this is kind of like, maybe this is murder music. I don't know. Like, who knows? Wow. If you are a member of The Shining Room, we're sorry that we um, have now associated your group with... Uh, with the murder murder you can you people. can honestly guys i don't know you jl i apologize 
But you can blame it all on me. It's not Eric. I was the one having the thoughts. I mean, I'm always all about murder, so it's cool. It's fine. Yeah. It's not a negative thing on this podcast if we say that maybe murderers listen to your music. That's that's actually a good thing on this podcast. We're all about turning negativity into positivity. Yeah. Turn it around. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that that's the name of a uh, East Bay punk documentary, Turn It Around. Mm. It's like a two-hour documentary, and it talks about how, you know, talks about what's that, 928 Gilman Street or whatever. Yeah, Gilman you know, Street. Like mm-hmm. Gilman Street and all that stuff, and how, like, to play there. I don't know if that place is even still open Actually, today, I think I did see that. I saw you that You did movie. see that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, you have, you have to actually, like, well, to to ever play there, you had to like submit your lyrics, and they would uh, decide whether you can play there. Well, that wasn't the only deciding factor. You also couldn't be on a major label, hmm. and uh, but your lyrics they they read your lyrics, and if they didn't like your lyrics, you couldn't play. Hmm. Like so, you wow. had to be a good lyric writer, and I would assume a, a non offensive lyric yeah. writer. So. I'm sure mindless self-indulgence didn't get on at 928. No. Shining Realm might, though. Their lyrics are very Oh, yeah, cool. Shining Realm. You know what? You guys should try and get on it. <laughs> Gilman Street. No, uh, seriously, the lyrics are really cool. I didn't know what they, they were are, saying at all until they are fan- I looked at they the are CD. They are fantastic. A lot of fun, uh, have- esoteric ideas there, you know. Yes. Uh, I guess, you know what? I guess I just lied. I guess I was just agreeing with you, Erica. I guess I don't really know the lyrics, but I would assume that oh. they are probably fantastic. Yeah, they're very but esoteric, the way, very, um, the, I don't know how to describe them, spiritual. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's exactly the feeling I got. There definitely was that song, though, about, that's well, it's not about the guy jumping out of the ditch, <laughs> but that I associate, well, I didn't associate it with, you get what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. That I I was just thinking of it while that song was on. Yeah, there definitely was lyrics in there that I can't remember now that kind of made me just like realize life was okay. Yeah, you know what I mean. There there seemed to be definitely an element of positivity that I really enjoyed with this album. Yeah, and so um, for sure. Yeah, it was fantastic. I I really enjoyed it. And you know what? When I hear albums like this that are done well. It always makes me want to pull out the acoustic guitars again. Yeah. Nice. Because I don't really play acoustic guitars that often. And when I do, I forget how fun they are. Yeah. It's definitely a different, it pulls a different, um, different thing out of you when you use an acoustic. For sure. Yeah. Absolutely. It, um, boy, man, (laughs) I, I, you know, and my acoustic guitar is just sitting right there, like. You know, you know what we should do, Eric. No, what should we do? <laughs> One of these episodes, we should both just be playing guitar while we're talking. Oh my god, just noodling around, noodling around, <laughs> and dinner, dinner, dinner. Okay, this next record is. Oh, that's terrible. Oh man, my mom used to get it, so mad at me when I would just sit and watch TV and pluck the guitar. That's all yeah, I did. Yeah, that's all I did for yeah. like all of high school. Basically, was I. Watch TV Definitely. and plunk the guitar. 
I definitely remember that. Now, when I was in fifth grade, before I actually knew how to play guitar, mm-hmm. I joined school band. Mm-hmm. And uh, my teacher insisted that I played the trombone. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know why, because I wanted to play drums so bad. Mm-hmm. But I think that she, she had me like do this thing where she had me pat like my knees. Mm-hmm. And she was like, nope, nope, you can't be a drummer. <laughs> like, like so that's seriously how it went she was like nope nope your your timing is off uh hmm. here's the trombone and she just like handed me this big trombone and uh <laughs> what did she what like, did she make you pound on to to know that you're right for the trombone <laughs> uh well no she had me like i know. I mean, oh, i'm just okay. trying I'm to sorry. be funny sorry, okay. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> gotcha gotcha uh and i'm just things are going over my head but uh anyway um Okay, so she handed me this trombone. She's like, here you go. And I was like, well, why do you want me to play trombone? I want to play drums. Oh, I got too many drummers. Because hmm. everybody wanted to play drums. Yeah, why not? Which I think would have been awesome. What if the entire fifth grade school band was just a giant drum mm-hmm. circle? That'd be cool. I don't, I don't think she was thinking ahead enough. Yeah. That was my criticism of hmm. her. Uh, but anyway, yeah, nonetheless. Yeah, if you're listening, this- lady. <laughs> yeah. You should have had all I don't even drummers. I don't even remember her name. No one does. Honestly. Because she, she didn't take any chances. <laughs> she you know? The answer was right there. Yeah, it was. It really was. Like a, like a big percussion circle. Yeah. Um, that would have been, that would have went over so much better than. Oh, have, the parents would have. Parents would have loved it. Um, but anyway, um. What were we talking about? <laughs> Does it even matter? I mean, oh, she she handed me this big trombone, mm-hmm. and uh, I remember like um, I hated playing trombone. So then when I got in sixth grade, I um, I I told the teacher that I wanted to play drums, and then that teacher had no problem moving me to the drums. Mm. It was weird. Did you have to pound, uh, pound on your knees or anything? <laughs> oh my God, you're amazing! <laughs> Jeez. They kicked the the current drummer off the stool, <laughs> off the off the yeah, throne. Yeah. Uh, little known fact, and uh, here's a, here's a little fact for you though. Mm-hmm. Um, they uh, and only I mean this is only really going to matter to you and maybe. A few of our listeners from Muscatine, mm. but there were so there were too many drummers, mm-hmm. and there were only two drummers, right? Mm-hmm. In fifth grade, she didn't want to add me. She didn't want a third drummer. Mm. Um, but one of the two drummers was Greg Moomy mm. in school band. You didn't have a chance. No, I really didn't. Like looking yeah. back on it, it's like there's a reason why. Uh, I, I wonder if he passed the knee test. Yeah, he must have. I don't, I don't know. I'm gonna have to ask him. He's a good the drummer. Knee test. I, I, uh, he's a great. Drummer. I like. Yeah, absolutely. I I asked him once to teach me how to play um, uh, breakbeat stuff, and he tried, but I I couldn't do it. So, yeah. And he is so good at all of that. I know. He's, it's really really solid. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Um, so yeah, uh, the accelerative thrust, Instagram, mm-hmm. um. And Facebook, yeah, I guess that's really all you guys need to know um, yeah. to get a hold of us. Just uh, you can message us. You can, uh, you know, 
comment. You can do whatever. And uh, we'll get it one way or another if you do. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, and yeah. that's... I had a lot of fun this episode. Did you, Eric? Yeah, it was all right. <laughs> yeah. I I thought it was I thought it was like a lot of fun. Yeah. It it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Very very spastic. Yeah. And and I felt everyone should check out Shining Realm. Just go over to Bandcamp yes. and uh check it out. And if you order Shining the Realm. CD, it's really cool. Has a lot of cool art. So It does have a great cover. Yeah. The shiningrealm.bandcamp.com um thank you all for listening yeah. uh really and and send really us more time. reviews you want us to do hopefully we did a yes, good job send us, yeah yes thank you very much jl uh also if you do listen to shining realm i totally recommend doing it on a dark uh desolate iowa highway yeah sometime. there you go nice mm-hmm. <laughs> it'll make everything peaceful yeah yeah. Nice. Da, and da, 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 da. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye, y'all.